the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, December the 3rd, 2019, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1818, Illinois became the 21st state. Today in 1828, Andrew Jackson was elected president of the United States by the Electoral College. Did you notice... Maybe you didn't, but I did. I'll mention it to you, just in regards to the Electoral College. Elizabeth Warren said last night, I forget who she told one of the news people, news organizations, wouldn't have been Fox. It was probably MSNBC or CNN or one of those. She said, I will be the last president elected by the Electoral College. Now, that's dripping with implication, what she said. She probably won't be the next president of the United States. But she was reflecting the deep commitment, not only on her part, but on the part of many in the Democratic Party, to abolish the Electoral College. And what that will do is it will basically put the election, every national election, in the hands of the people in some studies show five cities, some show as many as seven, but it'll put every national election, presidential election or any other national election, will put that election in the hands of the people in five to seven of the major cities in America. That's the equivalent of putting every statewide election in the hands of the people in Seattle, in Washington, in Portland, in Oregon, San Francisco and L.A., generally in California, Phoenix, in Arizona, you get the point. Cities become more and more and more progressive, so-called liberal, far left, while the ordinary folks tend to not want to move into the city center. Not all, but many. So that's the push, and that is a an underlining obsession with the far left, with the Democrats. And she was reflecting that last night. Anyway, Andrew Jackson was elected by the Electoral College. All of them are. The electoral votes trump the popular vote because the founders wanted a representative vote not isolated to a couple, two or three, four, five to seven cities. They saw that. They were very insightful. Today, in 1964, police arrested some 800 students at the University of California, Berkeley. One day after the students had stormed the administration building, staged a massive sit-in. I remember that well. I had not seen that before. I was a fairly young man in 1964, becoming a youth pastor, I watched that very carefully, and I thought, man, man, where is the world going? I'm still thinking that, wondering it. Today, 1967, a surgical team in Cape Town, South Africa, was led by Dr. Christian Bernard. 
He performed the first human heart transplant. The guy that uh, received the transplant lived 18 days. It was a donor organ. And uh, it had come from a 25-year-old bank clerk, a, a woman, Denise Darvell or something like that. She had died in a traffic accident. So that was the first attempt at a heart transplant. Now they're they're done, uh, I don't know if I would call it routinely, but they're, they're done often. Today, in 1992, the first telephone text message was sent by British engineer Neil Papworth. He transmitted the greeting, Merry Christmas. Oh, no, he said it out loud. First message ever text. So when somebody says, well, I don't know if we should say Merry Christmas, well, that's the first message that was ever text. He transmitted the greeting, Merry Christmas, from his work computer in Newbury, Berkshire, in England, to Vodafone executive Richard Jarvis on his mobile phone. Today in 1992, boy, much has changed since then. Everybody seems to text now. Representative Adam Schiff, he's the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, he made it perfectly clear last night. He told MSNBC's Rachel Maydow that his committee will continue. He's the guy that's been trying to get Trump, trying to impeach him. And leading, the, he's the guy with the big eyes. It always looks a little scary when you look at him. I, I don't know him. But uh, anyway, he told Rachel Maydow on MSNBC last night that he will continue investigating President Trump even after sending their report on Trump's Ukraine activities to the House Judiciary Committee. He said he is expecting to draw up articles of impeachment. He said, we're putting the final touches on the report. He said it'll be released publicly tomorrow. Well, tomorrow, that was last night. Tomorrow is today. So it's being released publicly today. And uh, he said, went on to say, tomorrow night, which is tonight, he said, we'll also have a vote to formally transmit the Intelligence Committee report to judiciary. At the same time, he said, that's not the end of our investigation. So even while judiciary does its work, we will continue investigating. We're continuing to issue subpoenas. We're continuing to learn new information. He said, the work goes on, but we also feel a sense of urgency. This is a president who has sought for intervention in U.S. elections twice now, and even in the midst of our impeachment inquiry, is again out publicly saying, not only should Ukraine do this, but China should also investigate my opponent. So this is a threat to the integrity of the upcoming election. That's the tone of the people who are trying to dispose a president that they did not want elected, and that has become abundantly clear. I mean, they they had they thought they had Hillary in the Oval Office. They thought her election was inevitable, but it wasn't. And Trump was elected, and now since his inauguration, even days before his inauguration, this impeachment matter has started as a backup plan. All of this has been revealed in the um, email and back and forth in the FBI and other agencies that ought not to be involved in deposing of a president of the United States, but they have been, some of the people. And all of this has come out, but the media doesn't cover that very carefully. They cover more of what the other side, the left, the progressive, is saying. It's sad, but it's true, and we've got to sort out every day what actually is happening because it's very, very biased 
very, very one-sided what the public is allowed to consume as far as news in America. 38% of people, Rasmussen came out with this poll this morning, 38% of people in America favor banning hate speech and not allowing offenders to run for public office. Now you say, well, that's not, you know, that isn't even half of America. But the fact that 38% of Americans would say, yeah, we want to ban hate speech and we want to ban people from running for public office who are accused or are found to be using hate speech. The next question that they don't ask the public is, what is hate speech? And who decides? That's kind of where America is. And I thought this was interesting. It was the Heartland Institute and Rasmussen. They did a joint uh, survey over this last few days. They published it this morning. 27% of likely U.S. voters think the federal or state government should ban speech uh, by individuals that a majority of Americans believe to be offensive. So I guess what they're thinking is they would we would all vote on what is offensive speech. And whatever the American people decided in a popular vote to be hate speech, that would then disqualify people from certain positions, including elected positions. 50% oppose a ban on speech, but 24% of people said they don't know how they feel about that. I will tell you, this isn't going to happen, but I will, I mean, there are people pushing for this, and I think that's what Rasmussen, he's a conservative, and and the uh, Heartland Institute is conservative as well, and I think what they're trying to do is show you the facts and say, look, there is a, a group of people in America who are willing to submit to some other authority in deciding what one can and cannot say. That's what this is really all about. It's about freedom of speech. And boy, if we're finding that 38% of people are, are convinced by the advocates that they should allow someone else to decide what they can and cannot say. That's concerning. And that's because people aren't informed. I get notes all the time from people, those of you who listen to this program, you support it with your with your money and many of you with your prayers. But I get notes from you so often and I, I just I I just say yes when I read those. I'll tell you People today are uninformed. They just don't know what's going on. It's hard to sort it out if you just watch ABC and NBC and CBS and CNN and all that. I mean, and I know people who do, Christians who do, and they'll say, boy, I'll tell you, I just never thought that such and such, whatever it is, and that isn't even the truth. It's what the news spun out at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock or whatever, on their latest news production. But it's not the truth. Often it's partial truth, but it's not really the truth. There's always a bias. All people are biased. And the news is just without restraint in today's world. So that's the kind of a world we're living in. Pete Buttigieg, the gay guy who's running for president, he's surging. He's winning in Iowa now, a a few other states. He's right behind Joe Biden. He's raising more money than most of the uh, most of the candidates. 
Bernie Sanders is getting a little nervous. He's concerned about him. He had kind of written him off. <clears throat> Didn't think he could become the Democratic nominee, but he put out a Pete Buttigieg, mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He put out this uh, YouTube this morning, and uh, it's a it's an ad. I suppose when he raises enough money or decides to spend money on it, he's raising millions and millions of dollars. The gay community's gotten behind him. The the uh, Hollywood community's gotten behind him. They're all lining up behind the guy. But anyway, this YouTube video and it it it's well enough produced. I took a look at it. Um, it could it could run on television, and I suppose that's where it will go when he decides to spend millions to do it. But it says um, he quotes Jesus Christ in the in the uh, in his ad. He says, in our White House, you won't have to shake your head and ask yourself, whatever happened to, I was hungry and you fed me, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Of course, he's quoting from one of Jesus' parables in Matthew 25. This is a theme from the religious left. Buttigieg goes on to say in this commercial that's on YouTube as we speak, he said, when I say we have to unify the American people, it doesn't mean pretending that we are all the same. It means unifying around issues from wages and family leave to gun violence and immigration. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a set of parables, he says, which ends with a verdict. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into the eternal fire, which is prepared for the devil and his angels. That's the kind of a political environment that we live in today. We've got a, a married quote-unquote, homosexual, preaching the gospel to the world. And the religious left is embracing this message. His message is progressivism, it is religious left, and it makes compassion the center theology point of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Compassion is not the central theme of the gospel. Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, is the central part of the gospel, not compassion. Compassion is a feeling, it is a virtue, and we as Christians are told to embrace compassion and show compassion to all. But compassion is not the central theme of Christianity. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who became flesh and dwelt among us, who put his life on the cross, allowed them to crucify him, because we have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and he was resurrected on the third day and sits at the right hand of the Father. That is the central theme of the gospel, not compassion. And that's what these people are trying to do. They were doing this in Paul's day, and he wrote about it in the New Testament. They're doing it in our day. I want to talk to you about a myth. The myth of equality. David Mosley is an elementary school teacher. He's praising He's praising a 14-year-old girl for physically attacking a man in front of his family for wearing a Trump costume. I don't know what the costume was. I don't know if it was a T-shirt or whatever it is. Anyway, teacher Mosley says publicly, public school teacher, David Mosley, he said she should have shot him. Now, the mainstream news isn't carrying that, but some of the other news sources are. I looked it up. The local news certainly carried it where this happened. A teacher in Utah was fired 
when, according to the local ABC News affiliate, told a classroom of fifth graders that homosexuality is wrong, that it isn't natural. She told her fifth graders that. She was fired. While all men are created equal in God's eyes, the outcome of life is not equal. And the left is trying to leverage that disparity to advance their agenda. They're trying to use the gospel. They're trying to use Jesus Christ as yet another political tool. We've got to be informed. Now, I'm fully aware that Ken Wietzma has written a book titled The Myth of Equality. And I'm talking about the myth of equality right now. But I'm not endorsing his book, nor do I agree with his position in theology, because his position in theology, again, makes compassion the central theme of the gospel. And it isn't. I don't agree with much of what's in his book. Some of it is scripture, and it is what it is. But his whole theme of his book, the myth of equality, is something I disagree with. And I wrote an article on that today. You can find the articles on at Faith and Freedom, faithandfreedom.us. We publish one every day. It's read by thousands. I mean, it's widely read. I'm humbled. And uh, it's read in 40, 50 countries every day. I don't know why so many people read it. I mean, but I'm glad they do. And we've been publishing this article. It's Faith and Freedom Daily since uh, 2004, I think, when we started doing this. And there were a couple hundred people reading it then. And um, now I don't, I don't know how many people read I mean, many. But we are aware. We get reports. And we're aware that it's read in 40, 50 countries outside the U.S. every week. But in that, I wrote an article about this. I titled it The Myth of, the Myth of Equality Today. Because while we search for equality, our founders wanted equality. They set, they set the, the parameters in our founding documents to allow people a kind of equality. And the Bible clearly teaches that all of us, all of us are equal in God's sight and God's eyes. The left has taken the whole idea of equality and turned it into yet another tool to advance their agenda, which is contrary to the gospel. And it really is contrary to a culture, successful culture, because every time that socialism, which is an outgrowth of this, it's from the same root. Every time that socialism, communism, progressivism has taken over a city in America or a country on this globe, we've seen the failure. When you see thousands of homeless people sleeping on the sidewalks, I'm telling you that is a result of progressive leadership in these cities. The cities that have the worst homeless problem are run by far-left crazies in many cases. That's what's going on. If they, would, if they would align themselves more with common sense and biblical principles, even if they don't claim to be Christian, they would find much greater success in running these cities. But they're not, and they won't. And they continue to seek. I mean, I mean it's like a person in, in a dark vacuum feeling their way along. And yes, let's, you know, we need more housing. They don't need more housing. They need a better plan. Progressivism, the left, destroys 
people, individuals, and it destroys communities, cultures, and nations. History is replete with all of that. How many nations, not only the Roman Empire, but how many nations have stumbled downward on this progressive, far-left, godless path only to find themselves as an asterisk in the dustbin of history. Ken Wiesma wrote this book, The Myth of Equality. I just wanted you to be sure I'm not recommending it, and I don't agree with it. But it has become a handbook for the left. It's preached in many churches from the pulpit, parts of it. He's quoted often. The book is dripping with discovering, a word they use often, the tragic history of colonialism and colonization and how racism, I'm quoting from the book, I want to be sure no one misunderstands and thinks I am agreeing with that. I don't. What I'm saying is they have taken this idea of the, the, the myth of the myth of equality and have flipped it. They talk about the deeply how racism is deeply rooted in US history and Americanism and how it must be exposed and reversed in order to align ourselves with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, of course, that's a half-truth. The Bible doesn't call any Christian to be racist. But we're not. White evangelicals are not racist. I mean, there's probably one out there that is, but I don't know who they are. They categorize people and they put them into groups rather than individuals. And that leads to part of their theology, many of them on the left, have this universal uh, reconciliation or universal salvation uh, theology. And I I don't have time to get into that today, but as a pastor, I've addressed it from the pulpit. And I will tell you that universal salvation is from hell itself because they claim there is no hell and that a a loving God and an all-knowing God, wise God, would not send his son to a cross to, they use the words, kill his son because I sinned, but yet I will not be saved unless I take action and accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. God would not do that to the human race, they say. So therefore, ultimately, because Christ died, all of us will be saved. There is no hell. All of us will be saved because God would not do that to people because God loves them. You think about that for a while. I profoundly disagree with the agenda. But the equality the left advocates is a myth. It's a hypocritical one at that. For the past number of years, the left has been demanding tolerance from those of us who disagree with their values on abortion. They call abortion women's health care, homosexual relationships, now including marriage. People have a right to marry whom they love, and God made me this way. They've been using scripture to advocate for open borders, the dissolution of this country. A nation without borders is not a nation. The Bible clearly teaches that God created boundaries and nations. In Genesis, the Old Testament, we find it referred to in the book of Acts, for example. Religious left evangelist and presidential candidate, now Buttigieg, he's almost usurping the role of Reverend Jim Wallace, who's been the leader of the left. 
preaches compassion as the centerpiece of Christianity. Equality of outcome means everyone gets the same thing. It plays on the emotions and the needs of people. Karl Marx advocated that. He advocated for equal outcome teaching. He believed that if everyone had free and equal access to consumption, they would not feel alienation and would be equal. These are his words. This is the root of socialism and consequently communism. Socialism and outcome equality is based on a humanistic approach to life, a humanistic worldview. There is no God, or if there is, he's unconsequential. He lets some of them say, I'll give you this. He created the world, but then he removed himself. You can't talk to God. That's silly. People mock that on these talk shows. They were mocking Vice President Pence here last year when he said something about he he prays and he talks to God and God speaks to his heart. and I mean, just common Christian content and thoughts. And they were mocking him to say, Mike Pence talks to God on The View on ABC. They went on and on and on about that. And and somebody spoke up and they said, yeah, and he has a mental problem. He thinks God talks to him. That's where the culture is, but we don't want to be influenced by the culture. In more recent times, the homosexual movement has picked up on this banner against tolerance and bigotry, and they reverse that. What is intended to be tolerant becomes a mandate. In other words, if you don't affirm, if you don't embrace, if you don't celebrate the view of the left in the name of the Lord, then you're bad. You're a bigot. Two very recent examples. ABC News reported a substitute teacher in Utah was fired after she allegedly told a classroom full of fifth graders that homosexuality is wrong during this Thanksgiving exercise. The students went on. They say she went on an anti-gay rant, but others say, no, she didn't. She just shared her faith. But whatever it happened, she told the class that, (laughs) that she didn't believe in homosexuality. This one kid said, I'm happy. He said, "My, I'm thankful that I'm going to be adopted by my two dads. Louis uh, Van Amstel was one of the two dads that went, that this, are adopting this boy. And he said, when our son Daniel answered the substitute teacher's question, what are you thankful for? With I'm thankful for finally being adopted by my two dads. The teacher went on to sharing her own views on homosexuality and that it's wrong. The school district declined to talk about the incident except to assure the two dads that they had taken appropriate action. What they did was they fired her on the spot and escorted her out of the school and said she will never, ever teach in the school again for saying that homosexuality is wrong. Amstel is a professional choreographer. He may have seen him. If you watch it, I don't. But on ABC's Dancing with the Stars, he's one of those guys that choreographs, and he was one of the dancers there, I guess, two or three different years. But anyway, that probably had something to do with it. But the point is that they acted decisively. They escorted this teacher as though she had killed someone out of the school. David Mosley is an elementary teacher in Clarksville, Tennessee. He took to Facebook recently praising a 14-year-old girl who physically attacked a man wearing this Trump costume. And they, this teacher said she should have shot him. And yet they have not even acted against this teacher. Tell me, 
about the myth of equality. Hey, we're out of time. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you for your support. Our address is box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. See you tomorrow.